Okay, so now that you're all sitting down, I want you to stand back up. Come on, come on. Simon says, there we go. This is what I want us to do real quick. Um, youth pastors, raise your hands. I see some of you. Virgil's not paying attention. That's okay. If you're a youth pastor or you work with these students, um, I would say host parents as well. If you're in the back, raise your hand. So as I'm praying over y'all tonight, as I'm asking the Lord what we need to do, I heard two words. Do work. Y'all say that with me. Do work. Try it again. Two words. Two syllables. First word. First syllable. Do work. Some of y'all have already been up here and have been doing some work. And the Lord's been doing work on you since before your body existed. So what I want you to do is these youth pastors that raise their hand, raise your hands back up. I've done youth ministry for 13 years. I actually just stepped out of doing youth ministry a few weeks ago. And I'm working in a hospital now. And I know what it takes to do something like this for you. So what we're going to do is I'm going to have you go surround your youth pastors... And these host families, go, disperse, go get around them. Put your hands on them. Remember, don't lean on them because then it gets really heavy and they start sweating. And I can smell Jeff's sweat on this microphone already. I have a lot of notes written down and I'm not sure we'll get to any of them tonight. We'll see where this goes. So I have a friend of mine, he's a worship pastor in Amarillo. Anybody from Amarillo? Oh, Kim's not here, never mind. Oh, I was going to give her her shot. He's a good friend of mine, we've been talking about music, because I do worship as well, and we've been talking about rhythm and time, and how, how can rhythm and worship exist in heaven where there is no time. Anybody who's musically inclined, that's going to mess with you for a while, and that's okay. But we got in this conversation, and we kind of got around to the point where you ever done that where you all stand around in a circle, everybody prays at the same time? Or sometimes you'll have people who are on stage and they begin to worship and somebody sings this chorus over here while somebody's singing something different. And it's not even, it's not even in rhythm. And it drives some of us musical people crazy because you're like, y'all are just not, I mean, you know, it's not there. But sometimes when you get everybody moving in one particular direction, whether they're saying the same thing or not, the Lord begins to move and it's beautiful and it's worship. It's out of time. It messes with our heads but it's glorious to the Lord. So we're going to practice some of that. So put your hands on these people, on these leaders. They need anointing. They need your support. I've got a friend of mine right now who's dealing with some stuff in his youth ministry, and he actually had a meeting today where the church, some of the people are upset about something, and they called him before them to address his issues. And I don't remember, some of y'all can tell me who said this, but somebody said um, something to the effect of, oh, man, I don't remember how it goes, I'm going to mess it up. Something about when good people stay silent. What's the first part of that? Anybody know? Who knows? Okay. All it takes for evil to prevail is for good people to keep quiet. You are the good people. The Lord proclaimed you as good when He created you. Before He created you. He proclaimed you as good. You are good people. So speak over these leaders. Pray encouragement. Pray for favor. When, they, when, the, when there's people that are going to be disgruntled in your church about something they did or didn't do because it's going to happen, and I'm not judging those people, I'm just saying the good people need to speak up. You need to support them. So begin to pray over them. Just speak. Let's go. Just start talking. Begin to pray encouragement over them. Y'all are way louder when you got free candy. <laughs> Speak. Shake the walls. Make their ears hurt. They don't need to be able to understand everything you said because their spirit's going to understand it because the Lord's going to re, re-put that into their spirit here in a little while.
Lord, we declare favor over these leaders. Your word says that all authority in heaven on earth is placed there by God. You have placed these people in authority positions. Authority is given. It's never taken. So we give them authority to speak into our lives. We give them authority to speak your word into our spirits. We give them authority to hear from your voice and to discipline us when necessary. That's a hard word to hear sometimes. We give them authority to speak in our lives and encourage us when we need it. You have given them authority over every evil power that exists. So, Father, I pray for anointing on these people as they've opened their homes to us tonight. As these people who serve us, we pray strength. We pray for favor. And no matter what happens in our life, no matter what direction our feet take us, your spirit, Father, may it guide us in where we go. And we give you thanks and praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, Jeff, did your group go do 8th and 9th camp this last summer? Okay, good to know. Well, my name's Jason Archuleta. Let's get something out of the, out of the way real quick. I am not related to David Archuleta. Don't ask. I don't, we don't watch American Idol in my house except for the auditions. Anybody else just watch the auditions because they're funny? I feel anybody ever think about trying out for American Idol? I thought about it once and I thought no because then I may actually get in the room with the judges, right? Because there's thousands of people that don't. But you know, if you made it in, you're either really good or they're going to make fun of you on national TV. So we watch it for the auditions because we like to laugh too. And this kid gets on there, his last name's Archuleta, which isn't real common for the most part. And I said, okay, we'll watch till this kid gets booted off because he was pretty good. He made it to the final show. I had to watch the entire season to see what was going to happen with him and then he got second place. So we're not related to him. I used to say he ruined my life, but he's not gonna, I'm not going to let his, his name ruin my life. He's, he's a pretty good singer. I'm definitely not any better. I'm from Amarillo. Um, I'm 31 years old. Can you believe that? No? My wife's older than me. I won't say how much older. That's my wife, Amy, back there in the cute little blue scarf. I figured out tonight, or I was alerted to the fact that I've known Anna since 1998. So I'm not going to say how old she is either. I was looking around the room tonight, and I noticed that there's a lot of connections to my, to my spirit in this room. And I'd say to my life, but I really mean to my spirit. Obviously, my wife, um, one of my mentors, Pierre, is here. Virgil Feinsod has poured into my life. Jeff Dietz has poured into my life. Dane Daniels has poured into my life. There's all this connection. In your area here, you have what I believe to be a very powerful anointing of God within the men and women that serve you. Do you realize that, that what that means? Youth minister means youth servant. They serve you to the best of their ability. I promise you, and some of you that have kind of done in some intern work maybe with the church, you realize that they don't sit around in their office and play games all day till you get there that night, you know, twice a week. Virgil, your daughter's in here, isn't she? Where is she? Hannah. I remember Hannah when she was this big. Hannah knows. She knows how much energy and effort her parents have put in and poured into students. They're laughing at me back there. So I'm going to, I want y'all, I'm going to have you stand up one more time. Stand up one more time. Anybody got their phone? Don't get it out. Anybody got their phone out? Yeah. Let's see. Y'all look... This has water, right? You see this? You ever anybody go to SeaWorld? Ever been to SeaWorld? That's the splash zone right there. Right? Y'all afraid of water? Splash zone? Where's the splash zone? I didn't ask Jeff if I could do that, so nobody get mad at him for that. That's on me. 
A guy I know, anybody on Twitter? Twitter fans? I love Twitter. A guy that I follow on Twitter, he said this about a year, I think it's about a year ago. He said, when you walk in the rain, you expect to get wet, right? If it's raining out of your house and your car's parked on the street, if you drive, you have to run to the car because you know you're about to get wet, right? Unless you have a, but you're still, your, your hood's going to get wet. When you walk in the rain, you expect to get wet. He said, what if we came into our encounters with God with the same expectancy? What if we expected to encounter him, to be affected by his presence every time we came to meet with him? How many of you on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or whenever you have youth, you come in just kind of ho-hum, maybe, we'll see. I'm going to see my friends. I've had a bad day. I really don't want to be here. And you're just kind of blah about it, right? Sometimes... We go into our youth meetings and we're excited about the youth meetings because the music style really fits what we like to do. But we go into to big church and we feel pretty inhibited and we're not real happy to be there. What if you begin to go into those meetings expecting to get wet? Expecting the rain of the Spirit to fall upon you and fall upon the people that you go to church with? Okay, you can sit down. I won't make you stand up for a while. I think one of the biggest things, and I'm a fidgeter, so I'm going to fidget with stuff. I apologize. One of the biggest things you need to know about me is that I'm an idealist. Anybody else an idealist? My wife and I, when we first got married, we'd argue over, she called herself a realist. I called her a pessimist. Half, half full or pretty much nearly full or, you know, not quite empty, Right? Are you a glass half full person or a glass half empty person? Half fulls? Half empties? <laughs> Pouring or drinking matters? Okay, I'm not going to get real technical. There's, those are my options. Half full or half empty? There is no middle. I'm kidding. There is no spoon either. It's just half. Well, it could be. We all have a different perspective, but I'm an idealist. I'm the kid who when I was little and they told me I could be anything that I wanted to be, even President of the United States, I bought that. Anybody else ever buy that? I bought it, right? I was that kid. And the people, most of the time, half glass, empty people, look at me and say, oh, he's, uh, he's naive. He just, he doesn't get it. He'll learn. He'll get the real world. Someday, he'll grow up. I think my favorite thing that I've been called in my life is a mystic. Because I believe the places in Scripture where Jesus says, greater things than I've done, you will also do because I go to the Father and thus he sends us the Holy Spirit. I believe those things. I do. I fully believe it. I've never seen, nor have I ever raised somebody from the dead, but I've heard stories. I've heard crazy stories. That you sit there and go, that's not real. But I'm the kid, I'm the gullible kid that believes it because I'm an idealist. Jesus did some phenomenal things, right? He walked on water. He turned water into wine, not at the same time. Because then it'd be he walked on wine and that just we couldn't have that in churches most of the time. We can't talk about Jesus walking on wine. I believe that if the Lord called me to that I could step out of the boat and I could physically walk on water. Some people believe it was a metaphor. I don't. I believe he literally walked on water. I believe that Moses literally parted the seas by the power of God. Not because I'm great, but because he's great. And more important, because he is. Not just he is great, but because he is, he exists. How many of you have seen something crazy that the Lord has done in your life or somebody else's life. I don't let Pierre speak when, when he's around me. In fact, this may be only the second time he's heard me talk. Um, but I'll let him speak because his stories blow mine out of the water. But this is the craziest story I have. I went to a camp a couple of years ago and there was this kid from Big Spring, actually, young kid. And he'd been in a car accident when he was two or three years old and something had got messed up in his spine and some nerves were damaged. And so literally he had, he walked on, uh, not crutches, but what I'm trying to say, walkers. Is that what they're called, walkers? The, the ones each? Because um, his left leg 
was about this much shorter than his right leg. It just hadn't grown. And so all week long, there were counselors and campers that were wanting to pray over him because they really wanted to see the Lord heal his leg. And the kid had actually gotten so tired of people praying for him and nothing happening that he asked them to stop praying. But they didn't stop. They just waited until he was asleep, and he couldn't tell them to stop, and they didn't know. I'm sorry, I'm having problems with this mic. Whatever. So I'm standing at the back, and I prayed over him without his knowledge either. But I'm standing at the back with a friend of mine um, one night after worship. And everybody's kind of doing their thing. The Lord's moving. People are, are meeting with him. And they come up. And I don't remember the kid's name. I'll say it to Joe. It's like, dude, Joe's leg grew. I said, whatever. He said, no, it did. It didn't, it didn't fully grow. Like, it wasn't complete. But it grew six inches. I was like, I don't know. So I had to go see it. So me and this guy, we, we run to the other side of the sanctuary just in time to kind of see him getting out of a group and headed toward the doors. And he's got, his, he got, he's got his walkers there, and he's having a hard time. Because used to, he would just, you know, put them down and, you know, just kind of crutch it. Like, you, like if I hurt my ankle, that's what I would do on crutches. He was dragging his foot. He was, ha- he was stumbling because he didn't know how to maneuver. Because the foot was now long enough where it drug on the ground, and he didn't have enough muscle in his leg because of the atrophy to lift it off the ground. How many of you believe me? There's some that don't, and that's Okay. Because I'm going to ask the Lord to begin to speak to your heart and show you some of those things. Tonight, we're going to talk about gifts from the Lord. The whole theme of the weekend is the presence of God versus the presence of God. Presence versus presence. That didn't, no, you can't tell. How about, how about the presence of God versus the gifts of God? There it is. Can you all see that? That's what I was trying to pronounce. I also learned just recently that O-F-T-E-N is pronounced often and not often. That and I've been pronouncing Philadelphia as Philadelphia all my life too. My wife's been making fun of me behind my back. Hey, do you all have that picture of my kids? Where are my kids at? There are my boys. That's what I wanted. I asked him to put a picture up just so I could hear all, all y'all go, aww. On uh, the right side there, the kid with the curly hair, his name's Rylan. On the left, that's Kaysen. Rylan is now four. Kaysen is now 18 months. And I'm going to bounce all over the place because that's the way my mind works. They're, they're my favorite. Those are my boys right there. My favorite thing in the world is to come home now after a long day and then to say, well, Rylan will go, Daddy, and he'll run up and hug my leg. And Kaysen, because he can't really talk yet, goes, Dah! <laughs> and he runs up and hugs my leg. All right, you've got to take that down or I'm going to be distracted all night. I'm, I'm really thankful. I'm a, I'm a tech geek. Anybody else a tech geek? Like you like, you know, you've seen me. I've got my notes on my iPad. I've got my iPhone in my pocket. But I love FaceTime because when the boys are at my in-law's house, we can get online and, and I can see them. Magical, mystical. Ooh. There's a misperception, in my opinion, that... How do I say this? That everything that is done is by the Lord's hand. I got into a conversation this last week with, uh, with my mother-in-law. I don't mean to throw her under the bus because I love my, my in-laws. I really do. Some people don't. They're like, oh, my mother-in-law. I love my mother-in-law and my father-in-law. My dad passed away in 2002, and it's been fun getting to know my father-in-law because I feel now like I have a father in my life. Excuse me. But my mother-in-law, they live in a small town. If uh, Anybody know where Follette, Texas is? <laughs> Virgil knows. Okay, let's say this is the Texas panhandle. Amarillo, where I live, is eh, here. Follette is here. 
I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere. If you ever end up in Follette, you are completely and totally lost or you meant to be there. Because you don't just pass through it to go anywhere. It's just kind of out there. But they live in this small town. Amy, how many people are living there? Do you know? 400. How many people are in your high school? It's a lot. How many did you graduate with? 180, Amy? 21. My, not counting what? Oh, and her class was big. My wife graduated with 21 people in her class, and her class was big. They live in Tinyville. And so there's really no police officers there. They don't wear their seatbelts where they go. So literally, my mother-in-law has her seatbelt clipped in behind her, and the only reason it's buckled is because the car yells at her if it's not. But she sits, leans back on it. So she was in Amarillo the other day. We went out to eat. We're leaving, and I noticed, I'm sitting in the front seat, and I noticed she's, she's driving, and, and it's behind her back. I was like, Pat, aren't you going to put on your seatbelt? She said, no. I was like, what if we get in a wreck? You could die. She goes, I could die if I was wearing it. I said, yeah, but, but the statistics kind of show that it's more likely that you won't, and it'll save your life. She said, well, if it's my time to go, then it's my time to go. The Lord knows my timing. Man, and that just didn't sit good with me. So I went, she said she had cancer several years ago, and she survived cancer. She said, I, there's no reason I shouldn't have lived through cancer. She said, but the Lord knew that it wasn't my time. And I don't really like that thinking. I love my mother-in-law, but I don't really like the thinking. Because what that says is that everything that happens is by God's hand. And I think the Scripture shows pretty clearly that we have a sinful nation. We live in a fallen world. That there's several things that occur to us that aren't from the Lord. But some people believe that the Lord gives bad things. He can give bad gifts. Now, some of that may be our perception of what good versus bad is, and I could go off on a whole tangent on that, and I'm going to wait. But Scripture says every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. Matthew 7, 11. Do you have that up there? I'm going to try to find it here. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He's going to give you good things. You may not always like it because it may not fall into your perception of good, but he's going to give you good things. Even his discipline is good. Can you all say amen to that? (laughs) No, I don't want to agree with that. Even his discipline is good. Parents, who all has children in here? It's like, it's like y'all are age segregated really bad. All the, all the adults are in the back, which that's okay. They like to stare at the back of your hair. Hope you brushed it today. Parents, I've got to be a parent for four years now, and it gets more fun for me anyway because they're only four and 18 months. But it gets fun, more fun every Christmas because they're starting to figure out that Christmas morning is when those presents are there, right? And they get excited. How many of you... Well, who wakes up at like 4 in the morning on Christmas morning? You people are crazy. My family, we, we did our presents. Because Archulette is at the top of the alphabet. And so Santa Claus, for some reason, goes in alphabetical order. And so he got to our house on Christmas Eve. And so we did our presents on Christmas Eve. My wife's family, they don't do that. And so the year before we got married was the first year I'd spent Christmas at their house in I just wasn't prepared for a 5.30 in the morning wake-up call after I forgot the gifts and we were three hours behind when we should have been there. I mean, it was just, it was kind of crazy. But I wasn't ready for that. That's just, that's just way early. But parents, we know that our kids get excited about Christmas. And I heard a pastor talk about the definition of hope. He said, we, we mess up the definition of hope sometimes because we use it as, I wish something would happen. Yeah, I hope I win the lottery. But hope means expectancy. You expect it to happen. My hope is in Him. My expectancy is in Him, that He will provide, that He will give good gifts. And so he told a story about his grandkids. They're all made to stand at the end of a hallway until all the parents can get their seats and get their coffee and kind of calm down a little bit. And then they yell, go, and the kids run in there, and they just say, it's wild. Papers going everywhere. It's good gifts, you know. Easter is kind of the same way. I don't think I've really 
knew the fullness of joy in, in watching kids hunt eggs, because I had fun hunting eggs, and then I had more fun hiding eggs from my younger relatives. But as a parent, I get to watch my kids hunt for eggs. And one of the pastors that I listen to on a regular basis, he says this. He says, God doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. He wants you to go after him. He wants you to go after who he is. He wants to give you good things in life. Do you agree with that? We hunger for good things. Now, my kids are spoiled, and I don't mind saying that. And we're trying our best to, to navigate this parenting thing. I went in the other night, and we usually let our four-year-old, and that we're going to sound so materialistic, and, and we're really, well, maybe we are, now that I say that. Okay, well, I'll deal with that later, too. Let the Lord do work on me. Our four-year-old has a little TV mounted on the wall in his bedroom. It plays DVDs and, and whatnot. And so he usually will go to sleep sometimes. You know, we'll set a little timer, let him watch some shows, and he'll fall asleep, and it'll shut off. And, you know, it's, it's easy parenting. I have no clue how my parents or the people before did it without technology. Well, we upgraded our phones several months ago um, from older iPhones. This is how spoiled we are. Man, we're going to sound so bad. Sorry. Older iPhones to newer iPhones. And so we took the older ones, and we just took the SIM card out of them. They can't make phone calls. put a bunch of games and movies on there for our kids. Because when we go to dinner, and they start kind of freaking out, we're just going to slip them, you know. Uh, it, used to, it used to be coloring pages and coloring books, and, and now it's technology. So I go in to tell Rylan goodnight before I go to sleep, and he's up in his bunk bed, and Cars 2 is on the TV, and he's in his, he's in his bed playing on the phone. And I climb up in bed with him because I'm, it may not show, but I'm still not too heavy to get on the top bunk with him. And I get up there, and he's watching A Bug's Life on the phone while he's watching Cars 2 on the wall. And I said, Rollin, you, why are you watching your phone? It's a tiny screen. It's up to your... When you've got Cars 2 on the phone, he goes, because I wanted to watch them both. Made sense to him. I couldn't focus on both of those. I'm having a hard time focusing now. But, and I try, I really try to tell him all the time, when he gets mad about not getting something that he wants, I really try to tell him, Ron, you have to remember, man, most kids don't have a TV in their room, much less an iPhone to sit there and watch TV and play on your iPhone. And I would challenge half of y'all to a game of uh, Angry Birds with my four-year-old, because he's good. We, we don't realize what all we have, and I'm trying to... I'm trying to kind of get that across to him. And I'm, it's hard for a four-year-old, but I'm going to keep pouring it into him. But we're kind of like that. I don't think we realize how good we have it. And I don't just mean the stuff that we have, the things that we have, but how blessed we are by the Lord. And if you own your own car, like you have a car, you drive. If you, if you drive a car that's kind of considered your car, stand up. You, everybody that's standing up, and I'm with you because, I mean, we look like a used car lock. We have two broken down on our driveway, and we have two others that we're driving. God, we are so material. This is, this is horrible. <laughs> you are part of the most wealthy people in the world. Like, in the top 1%, you know, that's kind of a terrible term to throw out there right now, and I don't mean it the way it's, it's kind of portrayed, but you are. If you have a car, you are wealthier than 99% of the rest of the world. Now, we don't realize it. Y'all can sit down. We don't realize it. I wanted a car when I turned 16, and I... This is going to date me. I drove a 1984 Ford Escort. Anybody in the front half of the room born before 1984? I didn't think so. The front half of the room. You don't... You've seen the car before? In a junkyard. It was a great little car. We, We tore it up. But I wanted a car. I thought I deserved a car. I was 16, you know. But I don't deserve anything. And my wife and I, I mean, I'm going to tell you a story in a few minutes about we got into a conversation this morning about what we deserve versus what we have. We have a lot. How many of you have done this? How many of you, how many of you have forgotten to study for a test? I mean, I'm in college right now, again, and I forget to look at my syllabus and go, oh, nuts, I had a test today. 
And you sit there and you, you begin to do this. God, please help me pass this test. I can't fail another one. If my parents get another one of those emails telling that I failed another class, they're going to take my car. But God, if you will just give me the knowledge to pass this test, I will go to you three times. I'll go to three different youth groups on a Wednesday night. I'll read my Bible every day for X amount of days. How many of you have done this? You begin to barter with God. You begin to ask Him, if you will give me this, then I'll do this. When we do that, it's no longer a gift. I don't know. I, you know you, I went to two churches for a while. We were going to church on Saturday night, and we worked at another church. Um, because if you work at a church, you know most of the time on Sunday mornings you don't get to worship. So we have a church in Amarillo that we were going to on Saturday nights, and we were going and working on Sunday mornings. Um, so I was getting like twice the Christmas sermons going on in my life. And so one of the pastors was talking about how <clears throat> we begin to ask the Lord for things that we don't really need, right? And he begins to talk about things being gifts. How many of you have a hard time when somebody gives you something? In our mind, we think, okay, all right, let me do this. Big Bang Theory, anybody? Yeah. I love the Big Bang Theory. It's hysterical. But I'm kind of a dork. I'm not nearly as smart as those guys. Not that they're really smart. They read a script, but whatever. So there was an episode where Penny was going to get Sheldon a gift, and Sheldon's kind of freaking out because he's not really socially equipped. And he's thinking, okay, the social etiquette is that I get her a gift in return that's equal to the monetary value of the gift she's getting me, right? You ever do this? Somebody gives you a gift, well, you kind of have to return, return the favor, right? When we do that, we totally void the definition of gift or a present. Does that make sense? Because a gift is something you're given freely, and the Lord gives freely. He gave us salvation freely, it's not by works, right? It's by... All right, adults, help them out. It's by grace that we've been saved, not by works, right? We don't have to work to be saved. How about this? You don't have to work to get to heaven. It's been given to you. It's a gift. Now, we do for the Lord out of a heart for Him, right? We don't have to work for it. But we think that way a lot of times. Well, I've got I've to do this. You know, if they ask me on Sunday morning, you know, how many of you read your Bible this week? Well, your hand goes up whether you really did or didn't. Because, you know, youth minister secret here, we know who left their Bible the week before. And how many of them were there two weeks before that and haven't left that spot? We know that you haven't found it yet. And we're kind of keeping that to ourselves and laughing at you under, under your breath. All right, we don't laugh at you. We laugh with you, right? But we take, away the, we take away what I would say is the beauty of a gift when we begin to allow ourselves to think we have to return the favor. Does that make sense? You follow me? So the Lord gives good gifts, right? What kind of gifts does he give you? But like what? Give me some examples of some gifts that the Lord gives you. Patience, eternal life. Have any of you without studying, actually ended up passing that test? And you know that was the grace of God, right? The, def the difference between grace and mercy is what? Grace is... I'm going to mess this up now. Grace is getting something that you don't deserve, and mercy is not getting something that you do deserve. You ever heard that? Grace is getting something that you don't deserve, like somehow pulling those answers out of your ear to pass that test. Mercy is not getting something you do deserve. Does that make sense? So somehow you got the grace. The Lord gave you grace to pass that test or, you know, it just clicked in your head or that pattern you made on your, you know, circling the answers happened to work out this time. <laughs> C for all of them? That doesn't work. I had, a, I had a friend one time when I was in junior high school. He actually, anybody remember the old, the old show uh, Cops? You remember the theme song? Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna... So this kid, he didn't know. He didn't study for the test. And he had this geography test. Answer one, bad boys, bad boys. Answer two, what you gonna do? 
Answer three, what you gonna do? And answer four, when they come, I mean, he did the whole song for the test. Now, by the grace of, no, he didn't pass that test. There's no way he passed that test. In fact, I think he had to take an, he was a coaching, it was a coach's class, and coach made him run when we got to practice that day. I thought it was creative, but they didn't, they didn't care about my opinion. Too many times we focus on what we have been given instead of focusing on who is giving. Does that make sense? How many of you have done this? Because I've done this. You get excited. We'll talk about Christmas again since it just kind of passes kind of freshly there because most of us are now getting tired of the gifts we just got. But we open this gift and we think it's one thing and we open it and it's not what we wanted. And maybe it's the wrong color. My wife got me a hoodie for Christmas that was like four sizes too small. But we sit there and we open it and then we go, oh, thanks, you know. We focus too much on what was in the box instead of who handed us the box. Does that make sense? So my wife's family, our family, uh, we did the same thing in my house growing up. Christmas morning, or we were Christmas Eve. Since I was the, I'm an only child, don't hold that against me. We took our presents and I would pass them out to who they were labeled to, right? So, to mom from dad, to dad from me, to me from mom and dad, to mom from grandma, to, and everybody, you know, mom's stack would be here, dad's stack would be here, my stack would be here. You know, with my wife's family, it's my stack, Amy's stack, Rylan's stack, Kason's stack, Hunter, Dylan, Hayden, uh, Heather, I'm going to mess up my own family's name, Heather, Mark. Pat, Kevin, maybe Grandma Pat, maybe my, I mean, we got stacks everywhere. So our family, we're, we're trying to instill a new tradition. We, wanna, we call it the giving chair. Instead of making stacks of who it goes to, we make, we make stacks of who it's from. And we put a chair in the middle of the room, and the giver sits in the chair. And they can either take the present to the person, and we'll get to watch them open it, because, you know, the other way is everybody opens one at a time and, you know, then you get antsy. So they just let the kids go first and then y'all get out of the room so we can actually enjoy it. And then you come asking for batteries. And we're like, we don't know where the batteries are. But we want to, we are trying to shift the focus from who's getting to who's giving. Does that make sense? Are you following with me? So close your eyes. And I want you to think about. Just a couple weeks ago, Christmas rolls around. Picture yourself sitting or standing or, you know, whatever you're, I don't know if you're doing cartwheels on Christmas morning. Picture yourself wherever you were when you were opening presents. Now, watch yourself open those presents. Watch your face as you open each present. No, you don't have to save the wrapping paper. Just tear into it. It's okay. We don't need the bows. We can buy cheap bows again. It's not a big deal. Watch your face as you open the present. Okay, open your eyes. How many of you remember seeing your face from this, from this vantage point of being bummed about something? Whatever it is, you know. You just kind of got a little, little bummed out that you didn't get what, exactly what you wanted. Now, if you think through that emotion, did you really consider who gave it to you and why they gave it to you and the thought and the time that it may have took to pick that out for you? See, I told you just a minute ago that, that my dad passed away in 2002. And I miss him terribly. And I have, anybody a football fan? Cowboys fan? Like, there's so many fewer than I actually thought there would be. Or you just don't want to admit it because it's been a rough year, or seven. <laughs> I grew up loving the Los Angeles Raiders because the only professional athlete ever to come out of my tinyville, like we, she's 400, we had 2,000 because we're big. We had 200 people in our high school. The only professional athlete ever to come out of my hometown, his name was Kenny King, and he played football at OU, and then he went on... <laughs> There's way more of y'all than I thought there would be, too. 
And then he went on to play football for the then the Oakland Raiders. Then they went to L.A. and then they're, now they're back in Oakland. He was on the Super Bowl winning 1980 Raiders team. So this, this is going to date how old my dad was. My dad was like 50 when I was born, no lie. He was 49 years old when I was born. So he was like having three generations of the house, a grandfather, you know, a mom, and a son. But he was friends with Kenny's dad. One night, Kenny and my dad are hanging out, and they're, they're talking, and, and Kenny makes some comment about the shirt that my dad's wearing. And Kenny just said, you know, my dad said, I'll trade you shirts. If you like it so much, we'll just swap right here. So right there, you know, while they're sitting there, they take off their shirts and they swap shirts. Well, the shirt that Kenny swapped with them was the shirt that they gave out in the locker room after they won the Super Bowl, you know, before the, you know, the fancy hats that they have now. It's just a plain white knit, you know, collared shirt, pullover, and embroidered right here on the left chest. It, says, it has the Raiders logo emblem, and it says world champions. Just very simple. That is probably one of my favorite things that I have on this planet. If there was a fire in my house, I may even leave my iPad to grab that shirt. Just kidding. I I would definitely leave the iPad to grab that shirt. Because it's memories, it's history. It was a gift from my dad to me. I have several things that he has given me that I love and I treasure them. Because he's not here anymore, I use those to keep his memory alive. But there isn't one of those things that I wouldn't trade, that I wouldn't give, that I wouldn't do anything with. To have him back. He wasn't there when we got married. He wasn't there when we had kids. He's not there for us to think of some corny name to call him instead of grandpa. You know, we've got Grammy, we've got Pop Pop, we've got Nani, and then my dad would have been, I don't know, something, something corny and ridiculous. And he'd have hated it, but he'd have loved the kids. But I would love to spend time with him. I would love to sit down and have conversation and ask him questions being 31 that I wasn't smart enough to ask him when I was 13. But I have another father that gives me bigger and greater gifts that sometimes I don't think are so great because they're not what I want. And instead of walking in what he asks me to do, I walk in fear. And I don't don't appreciate what he's given me. So, I'm going to tell you this story. This happened this morning. Are you getting tired? Because I could ramble for hours. I asked Jeff how long, and he said, however long you want, man. And so that kind of scares me. So, stand up for a second. Stand up. Come on. You just had like tons of shit. You can't be crashing already. Do this. Do it again. Some of y'all aren't doing that. That's okay. <laughs> She's like, whatever. Okay, sit back down. So, my, like I said a minute ago, we just resigned from a, from, from a church a couple weeks ago, and I have taken a massive pay cut. Um, so we were waiting on our last check to roll into our bank account this morning through automatic draft, my last check from, from the church that I worked at. And... We have plans for that money, like paying bills and buying gas and food. And so this morning, I wake up, and um, you know our kids had already been gone, and Amy's, Amy's in the bathroom fixing her hair, and I walk in, and she looks at me, and she's, you know, she's a mess. She's been crying. I'm like, what's wrong? She goes, I said, it's, I'm, I'm talking to the Lord, and I just, I just don't think I can talk to you about it yet, which, as a husband, you go, what did I do now, you know? She's talking to God about it before she can talk to me, which is actually very a good thing. <laughs> Who said it? I'm watching you. It's a very good thing, but I'm sitting there kind of going, is it about me? So she takes a couple minutes, and then we begin to talk about it. And my check didn't post last night. And we're going, oh, man. What, what are we going to do? How are we going to, you know? And my wife, I'm telling you, she has been a rock over the last several months in not walking in fear and walking in confidence in who he is and trusting him to provide for our bills. And so we kind of started walking this out. She goes, well, are you going to call him and ask him? And I was like, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. You know, let's just kind of give it some time. We talked through it and began to realize that we, we kind of had this, we've been kind of bitter. You know, we've been kind of bitter. We've been hurt. 
and we haven't been dealing with it properly. So we're sitting here and we're talking through this and we realize that we've been walking around with this sense of I'm owed. I'm owed. Certain people owe me an apology because they've been saying this behind my back. Certain people owe me another paycheck. Certain people owe me this and owe me that and I have this sense of entitlement and sometimes we have the same view of God. He owes me. He owes me. Now there's a difference from having this sense of entitlement of he owes and having this sense of confidence that he cares, that he's going to provide. Does that make sense? Are you, are you with me? You all run out of candy? Because Pierre used to say, he goes, I used to, he said, I used to throw candy bars to the kids and kind of get them involved. And I thought, oh, I'll do that this week. Oh, wait. I guess I can get in here and just start throwing candy back at you, but you got all that you need. Matthew 6, 33. Oh, there's a ton right there in this. Oh, there is. Where? Oh, yes. I can't even get that off there. They've tied that down. I'll do this. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. This falls right in the middle of a, of a chapter where the Lord's talking to us about worry. That we shouldn't worry about what we'll eat and drink, what we'll wear. Because the Lord takes care of everything else and He's going to definitely take care of us. We realized this morning that we weren't seeking first His kingdom. We were seeking first our comfort. Tomorrow we're going to begin to dig into the presence of God and figure out how to go after that Versus going after the gifts. Does that make sense? Dana, y'all gonna do some? Y'all come, go ahead and head this way. Some of you began to deal with some stuff earlier, and the theme this weekend is presence versus present. I did it better that time. But the Lord may be messing with you in some other area. And that's okay. So we're going to ask him, because he hasn't left, we're going to ask him to do work now. I believe, the, the Lord gave me this word for us when we were praying earlier, and before, before we were worshiping. He said, I am proud of my children. There is an expectancy for me to come. I am here and ready to move through your heart. And that word heart was singular. It wasn't Plural. It was singular, as in the body of Christ, the heartbeat of Christ through us as a body. Some of you, sorry, move away. Some of you began to do work earlier, and then I believe we were obedient in doing work after, and I believe He's going to honor that in doing work on us. Y'all, stand with me. Mark 6, starting in verse 45. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And we had, when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, Catch this, and would have passed them by. He saw them straining. He would have walked straight past them. And then, he saw, then they saw him walking on the sea. They supposed it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. For they had not understood what the Lord had previously taught. Mark 4, starting in verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, he took them along the boat as he was. 
The other little boats were also with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus twice was focused on something completely different than the storm, than their struggles. He was focused on what he was doing and where he was going. These two scriptures illustrate the point that our focus determines our reality. Our focus determines our sensitivity. If we're focused on the gifts, the Lord's just going to walk on by. But they began to turn and focus on him. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water. When he began to focus on his surroundings, he began to sink. It's not until he looked up and he began to focus on the Lord that the Lord pulled him back. Where are you focused? Are you focused on the things that he gives you? Are you a Christian only because, what do we call it, fire insurance? You don't want to go to hell? Or do you follow Christ because you have a heart for him? You know, I gave my life to the Lord in trade. He did this for me, I have to do this for him. And it's been a long journey for me to come to a place of saying, I love him more than my salvation. I love him more than those two incredibly adorable little boys. And the beautiful woman in the back row with the blue scarf. Sorry, other ladies. I love him more than all these things that he's given me. I pursue him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. So as we begin to enter back into worship, ask the Lord to show you, to reveal to you your heart. Where are you focused? Where am I focused? Maybe the Lord's trying to reveal to me I'm focused on too many things, too many gadgets. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that your anointing come, that your spirit move, that you stir our hearts. That you do not let us put this out of our mind because we're tired. If we need to eat a little more sugar, we eat a little more sugar. Sorry, host families. But Lord, I just declare an atmosphere of awareness that you're walking by and that we will cry out to you, Lord, come. Come and move and calm these storms. The winds cease, the things come when we seek Him first. So Father, let us turn our affection, let us turn our awareness to You and You alone. We ask this in the name of Your Son, Christ Jesus. Amen.